Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. church planner this is pete mitchell and who's stupid by the way and this is peyton jones what i love is i text you raised by wolves is stupid and your immediate response back is you're stupid (laughs) i'm like i'm not five dude i am i'm watching that stupid show because and i i knew you and I are so different. Outside of Star Wars, we have almost like nothing in common. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that's kind of true. Did you like Prometheus? It was all right. I didn't think it was uh, great. See, I am obsessed with Prometheus. Why? I think everybody else is stupid. How could you morons not see the genius? That's how I feel about Prometheus. Then when he makes the sequel to that, I can't remember, Alien Covenant. To, yeah. to try to like give the fans what they want again. Um, I was like, Oh, you, come on. Like you made a genius film. And then the, the next one, what was did like, you find uh, was so genius about Prometheus there? Okay. So if you go back and watch that from the f- very first, there's this God thing that he's playing with, right? All about being the creator. He makes the Android, the Android starts off saying things like, so in a way I'm, I'm, I'm more, brilliant than you are like i'm a higher form because i've met my creator but you haven't right so the whole thing is they're going to meet their creators so i mean there was just so much in there about god like if you wanted to riff off of our relationship with god and and then the way that he takes the alien goo right um the the whole kind of premise of it the underlying premise of these aliens are going to be part Android, part, part flesh. There's just so much there. And I, I, 
I go deep on Prometheus, man. So all the all the criticisms, I'm like, uh, it's like when people criticize the Bible, you're like, oh, it's easily dismantled. You're, you're thinking think, surfacy. I think we can all agree, though, that Raised by Wolves is a truly stupid show. So, okay, so I'm curious. I, what did you not like about it? Well, I didn't like, from the very beginning, all of it. <laughs> I don't like wow, the that characters. that it down a bit. I don't like the outfits. Yeah. I don't like anything. I the way see, when it first starts and they're all moving all nerdy and stuff, I thought the same. Like when it first kicks off, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to like this. This is goofy. I, and then I could tell why you liked it. I mean, come on. It's between the atheists and the, the religious people. I mean, you know, was that like, was ripped off a bit from Robert Jordan Wheel of Time where they had like the, the, the Church of the Sun and they worship the sun god like that. That's all been done. That was ripped off. The white that, cloaks. That was I'm, all ripped off from a fantasy novel. A big part of this is Monty Python. They are all of them are wearing Monty Python outfits. The they dude with the helmet, are. the dude with the helmet. Every single <laughs> outfit they're wearing, I'm like, this is truly stupid. But Peyton wants Monty to talk Python-esque. about it. Ask I will, but you know that Peyton wants to talk about it on the podcast, and he's not making me read a book. So okay, I'll I'll watch the show. I appreciate that because you know there's whole podcasts that have spawned off this. Like you and I, when we find a show we agree on, we need to just start a podcast. Well, Walking Dead that was probably the only one, but even then we were both like I think we disliked the same stuff. Oh, we love the same stuff on that show. Yeah. Yeah. I think Walking Dead probably yeah, would have been the only show. Because you and I both went nuts over Terminus. We thought that was amazing. Terminus was cool. That freaked the crap out of me and you. Yeah. Like when they go running by and there's all the skeletons. and Oh, <laughs> gosh. That was so creepy. Andrea, back then, before Negan came on the scene and beat everyone with a baseball bat, she's like, yeah, I didn't know if I could keep watching after Terminus. And I was it's like, okay. I was all in. It's okay. That's so how it would be. It's okay, Maggie. I'm good. I'm still okay. Eyeballs hanging out of his head. I'm like, yeah, that was a good show. It was a good show. Do you think they're going to bring Rick back? Or is he going to be in this new spinoff? Three movies. He's in three movies? Yeah, three movies. There's a three-movie arc where they will bring Rick Grimes in. And you will. he's flown off in the helicopter, so they had plans for that. But COVID's kind of jacked everything up. I mean, all, I, all I my have- normal... I've hated this new spinoff. Have you seen the new spinoff that started a couple weeks ago? No. Yeah. I, what is it? World Beyond. Walking oh. Dead World Beyond. I'd probably like it then. <laughs> yeah, you probably would like because it. you don't have, like, I'm not going to say publicly why I don't like it, but there's. I hated Fear of the Walking Dead. It starred Californians acting like Californians during the apocalypse, and I just can't stand that. I can't take it. I don't mind Fear of the Walking Dead. Yeah, but I think it's funny that they've killed off everybody who was in like season one. But except oh, for, like, that's one good. Guy. I might like it because that one, the the main character, I don't remember what her name is, but she always oh, she's dead. Face, she's dead. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Okay, I'm gonna it. watch it again because she. You always, know who they brought over to it? They she brought has stink Morgan. Face. They brought she, Morgan I, and over. That's to what it I heard. To and save I could, it, I could probably get on board with that. But it was her stink face all the time. Every every scene, she had stink face. And I was stink like, face. I just can't handle stink face anymore. It's so funny because there are uh, certain actresses that my wife and I will watch. And we're like, these women would be so pretty if they would just smile. <laughs> like They're always mad right. or upset. Yeah. And it's like, 
just smile. You're a beautiful person. Can't you smile? Hollywood has this kind of weird, you and I have been around truly tough people. You know, A, there's my brother. B, there's, uh, you know, Navy SEALs. Um, They've been on very uh, high profile missions. Um, Refuge Long Beach, anyone who is dangerous there, they don't walk around like this all the time. Dangerous people don't, you know, and they don't talk about how they're bad. I'm bad, you know. That, that's not how tough people truly act. Tough people right. are usually pretty reserved. They're pretty calm. They're pretty chill. They're usually very polite. Yep. Um, and they're dangerous. Very. And so I, I have this, I always think to myself, yeah, Hollywood, you, you, you portray this image of, of tough people that's annoying to me because I've been surrounded by very dangerous people for a good chunk of my life. And I don't, you know. I, I don't buy it. it, it it's laughable. It, it makes it very hard for me to believe this person's actually tough. Right. So, yeah. but raised by wolves, you got to get to the end. If you didn't like Prometheus, if Prometheus was okay. Why do you say it has something to do with aliens? Is it like? It's getting there. Is it? Is it in the aliens saga? It, it Okay. So it's only rumored, but once you see it, you can't unsee it. And particularly as you get to the last two episodes. See, what I find just absolutely asinine is they lived there for 12 years and now all of a sudden they're seeing this animal. It's like... What What did you see? Did you watch? Because I think there's 10 episodes, right? Yeah. Like, what I'm animal have done. you seen? What animal the, have you seen? The one that they started eating because they couldn't eat the food. It was too radioactive. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I was like, how can you, you live there for 12 think, years and not see do that you animal? I think it might have something to do with that big, uh, strange shaped object sitting out in the desert doing weird things that that might well, have gotten they, somehow activated. I, I didn't think that. And I don't, I mean, Ty- I, want, I want to know what the Scott. holes are for. I want to know what the holes are for. Yeah. Like these perfectly shaped pits. Do they, do they explain that? No, and that's what I love about it is it, it it's like a typical Ridley Scott where, you know, uh, people got to remember Alien comes out. We didn't understand the half of it. And each Alien movie comes out and you're like, oh, okay, so uh, this corporation is really evil. The Whalen Corp is just totally evil and wants to weaponize. You don't get, they start unpacking little by little. You don't understand how, how are their eggs there, right? And then they explain the queen. Each episode, you get a little more and a little more. And what, um, what I love about this is it's typical Ridley Scott where you get, you get enough to like kind of mess with your head like Prometheus and Ridley Scott said Prometheus, he goes, I mess with people too much. They thought they were just going to get an alien origin story. And he goes, and I made them work. I, I provided mystery. It was meant to be a trilogy. He's almost scrapped it, but he's going to bring part three. And now I hope he goes more Prometheus because as much as the outcry was, there's actually more people they found that loved Prometheus than loved Covenant. And I, I just think Prometheus was a misunderstood masterpiece. I can watch that thing over and over. Yeah. So. Covenant, they changed too much of the story when all of a sudden, you know, that airborne toxin could like change their bodies like too quick. Like that what, wasn't. What's, 
What's interesting about him, so Ridley Scott has gone on record. Welcome to Church Planner Podcast, by the way. Ridley Scott, if you're, if you're new here, this is what we do the first 30 minutes, then we get into church planning. But what Ridley Scott actually um, said was in the next film that he's working on, he said, uh, androids are key to everything which they already have been in the Prometheus timeline. David goes rogue, right? He's a, he's a higher form of intelligence in humans. He's already, they've already said uh, he, he uh, excels over his maker. You've got these, um, I can't remember the name of them, but the, the race of, of uh, aliens, I can't remember what they're called, but they, they basically were supposedly come from them. And they're always experimenting. That's what these aliens are. They're experimenting. And so they create the alien life form and it backfires. They're, they're called engineers. That's what they are. They're the engineers. They've engineered this form. And David kind of, he, he says he thinks it's a weapon that they're developing life to colonize and, you know, possibly a, a race to enslave. You, you get the impression when you get to... Um, when they meet their makers, that the maker sees them as an abomination. And what he was actually going to do, they were going to actually unleash the uh, alien organism onto earth to wipe us out because they, they didn't like us. They, they felt they had made a mistake with us. So Prometheus. Well, to be honest, they're kind of right. Well, so think, think about <laughs> they should it. should wipe out earth. Think about it from the perspective of somebody who either, this is what's fascinating about alien. Is, is it God? Because Ridley Scott kind of teases out that God exists in this universe and that we're meant to understand by the, 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 the engineers creating us like that we're indirectly created by the engineers, but there's still God and faith is real and yada, yada. But, but what happens is that, and, and part of it, he said in an interview, and this is, this is totally blasphemous. So those of you listening, just Hold on a second. I'm, I'm not in any way. But apparently in Ridley Scott's mind, Jesus was an engineer come to like turn us back to the right way and we killed him. And so that's why when they meet him, um, they're like, hey, and I forgive me for even giving word to that blasphemy. It's terrible. But what the, it's not in the films anywhere. So I just ignore that. But what um, what's right. By the way, though, did you see what Ryan Smith wrote on our Facebook feed? No, is this live? Is yeah, that the live thing? Yeah. I don't even know if I can say it. Love watching this podcast while uh, doing my business in the bathroom. Good stuff. <laughs> Man, it's he ought to be a co-host. He fits right in. And he put, tried to convince my boys to join Space Force. I love it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, sorry. Anyway, go on. So, anyways, I don't even know where I was going, but uh, but the whole idea that uh, you know, there's this whole God thing. I I just love it, man. And um, that that David is trying to engineer. Uh, he goes nuts. The android goes nuts, and so he starts trying to engineer an organism of perfection. And so he he somehow mixes alien technology with um shaw remember he killed shaw yeah and then he uses her her dna her blood to bio bio what is it um what do you call it when something is part um robotic and part um 
it's not Android, but, but there's a word bio something. I don't know, but he's engineering this, this being that's part Android technology. So that's why the metal, you know, the, uh, so Androids are a big deal. So there's a reason why alien has kind of mechanical bits to him as well is he has made this perfect organism that can adapt and yada, yada. And, and the, uh, the, the, the spores, by the way, that's David. So when you go into that room and he, he's got all those writings on the wall and she's looking through the, or the other Android, Walter's looking through the book, he's piecing together what's happened. This dude's crazy. And he's been engineering crap. The spores were engineered by him. Oh, I, yeah, I get it. I just, I thought it was kind of ridiculous. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I actually, uh, uh, the first time I saw that movie covenant, I was like, ah, oh, what a waste. I saw it with, uh, then I watched it a second time. And it I creeped saw, me out. I saw it with Ruben Young. Like a whole right. bunch of us went to go see it opening night. And I remember afterwards, we were all just kind of like, uh. Oh. <laughs> like, That's how I felt. Huh. I was so deflated. And then I went back and watched it again. And I had to just ignore the like teen slasher film aspects of it that annoyed me. Um, which is classic alien. I don't know why. it. Did. I think because Prometheus, I was expecting the sequel to Prometheus. But... Um, but there were elements of both and the elements that were just super creepy is all the crap he made out of Shaw. And you see all the draw, like where he sketched what, what he made her like multiple versions of her. It's, it's creepy as heck. And I was like, dang, this thing is dark. Mm. And uh, yeah. So that's, uh, that's my thought on that. Wow. We took up 20 minutes talking about alien and raised by, at least I did. And uh, and still, we can all agree, Raised by Wolves is stupid. No, watch episode 9 and 10 and come back at me. They, it trying. changes. It's painful. It's really, <laughs> truly painful. The and whole I'm time. Pretty sure I'm going to cancel HBO Max just because <laughs> they made me watch Raised by Wolves. <laughs> that was their sin was making that series for you. You're done. You're dead to me. Well, the stupid part is, like, I bought... Uh, HBO Max through my YouTube because I have YouTube TV and um, you can't watch Raised by Wolves. It's the one show you can't watch on YouTube TV. They make you download the app, which doesn't like there's not a fire stick version of it because that's what I use as a fire stick. So I literally have to watch it on my iPad. I'm like, I I hate you guys even more now. (laughs) It's so interesting because when you watch things like uh, Cobra Kai, that existed on YouTube TV and no one knew about it. Really? Right. I mean, it was we, a we kind of heard show. Yeah. then when it hits Netflix, everybody's talking about it, right? Like it's Netflix, Netflix is, is a way so to much go. Bigger. Yeah. Netflix That's a way so to go. Bigger. And this thing, I feel like it's kind of like one of the best kept secrets of entertainment, right? Which now, one? The raised by wolves. No, you're, <laughs> you're stupid. Yeah. It's no, truly, stupid. it's stupid. truly stupid. It's like the dumbest oh, so show good. ever. Did you not think it's so rad how, like, she's this weapon of mass destruction that's been, like, repro? Have you gotten her reprogramming yet? How can she float? This is, like, not even real. So check it out. You're, you're going to get to this if you haven't yet. I've they make to it. the point. They make the point that she's been deposited by aliens. Like, the technology that, that the religious people use to build these androids, they go, they didn't understand it. They just borrowed it, right? So they don't even know what she's mm. capable of. So she is alien technology. She's not been built by the, she's been built by the religious people as an Android with some technology that they don't understand. 
just like that thing. So they're worshiping aliens. These people thinking they're worshiping a sun god are actually worshiping an alien who came, you know, ages ago and uh, dropped down whatever relic. So they've got that relic that looks like that thing in the desert. That's why they freak out and go nuts over it. This is all alien technology and it's meant to do something. So if you go back to Prometheus and you start watching the show through those eyes, you're like, oh, oh, something. What was this planet for? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's got this similar kind of code is the other ones like Kepler. See, one of the big problems with, with Prometheus is uh, the it's dude. Stupid. Go on. Pete. <sighs> I wouldn't say it's as stupid as raised by wolves. Yeah. I didn't find it like, oh, I love Prometheus. But the dude who at the very beginning kills himself to like spread his DNA, yeah. like how he dissolves himself mm-hmm. or whatever it is that he does. Yeah. It's like, no one would ever do that. Literally, no one would kill themselves. Right. But it's a religious thing for the engineers. The engineers are the, their own religion. And they make the point that um, Ridley Scott says they, an alien race made them. So they've got their own religion of these aliens. And they're worshiping that. So he's sacrificing himself to in a religious ceremony if you look there's like a it's almost like communion like where they open the little thing and he takes apparently that's the blood the black goo is is a blood from the alien species that made them and it and it morphs whatever it touches it it joins with the dna you can't figure that out by watching the movie correct Correct. then it's stupid and i didn't i've never heard that you're a you're i've never heard that before no, and you're a film major, and I, I love, I watch too much YouTube videos on this stuff, but I love, by the way, when I shower every day, there's two things. I either worship, pray, or watch stupid YouTube videos. Today, it was the four-hour epic cut of uh, Last Jedi. There's a guy on there named Mike Zero, who I thought was a total hack till he actually predicted everything that came in the last, or whatever this last one was, the, the Rise of Skywalker. And I, I thought the whole time, this guy's just making stuff up. And he's like, an insider source tells me. I'm like, I'm not watching him before the next movie anymore because somebody's telling that guy stuff. But um, he got it all. He's like, oh, Palpatine, you know, is, is her grandfather. And we're going to find it. And I was like, oh, he said my version of what's going to happen is what happens. But Mike Zero, he so he's been talking about the um, the four hour extended epic cut of Rise of Skywalker. And he's not a huge fan, of, but he says they're going to put all the crap back that J.J. had and Lucas is now on it to help make it what it needs to be. Are they really going to release it for our cut? Because they feel that they need to save the start. They, they know that they ruined it. The, as soon as Bob Iger was a Bob Iger was, is he the new guy or the old guy? I, don't know. I think Bob Iger, I can't remember, but anyways, either he's a guy going out, but immediately the new guy was coming in. He limited Kathleen Kennedy. It was the first thing he did. He said, you have no more creative control. And he brought Lucas in. So, I unfortunately don't have much faith in Lucas. I know you don't. I mean, other than he's, he created a world that then others were able to take and make great movies off of. That's about Who, the limit of Lucas. Who's the guy, though, that um, is – see, you don't like The Mandalorian, and I'm in awe of The Mandalorian. I thought we both were in agreement that it was stupid. Are you serious? You like no, it? No. So I will say this. There were a couple episodes there where I was like, oh, what is this? Like the one with the heist and the one I didn't like the one with dog people and the AT. I like that was like episode four. And I was starting to go, oh, man, the first episode was rad. It's kind of going downhill. 
it picks back up towards the end. The last couple episodes are a continent. It's part of the story arc of the first. There are three episodes there that every bit as good as the best Star Wars movies. I mean, that IG-8, you know, doing his thing. I mean, there, there was just some amazing stuff in there. The Jawa fight in episode two, they had me, and then they started to lose me, and then they got me back again. So, I need to officially end our friendship. And uh, Yeah, I'm sorry, after, Pete. Star Wars is stronger than after friendship. After 410 episodes of the Church Planner podcast, it's going to be no more. I can't do and it That's how it happens. You. Folks, that's that's what finally does it. You know, Pete and I have weathered all kinds of storms, but uh, but the Mandalorian was the the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, we knew it would come down to Star Wars, and it's fitting. It's kind of like you know when we're laying there. I'm glad it was you. That's what I'll say. What about Battlestar Galactica? Did you ever watch Battlestar Galactica? No, but I hear I'm missing out on some of the best writing on television. The problem is you and I have such different views on movies and TV. I don't know that you would like it because it was truly amazing. <laughs> so I'm pretty, much, I'm pretty much thinking you're not going to like it. I need to watch it. It starts off slow though, right? It doesn't start. I don't off think it started off slow at all. It starts off with Maybe the I'll destruction watch with of the human race. So, I hear I mean, there's quite a bit of sex in it, which is why I kind of got out. Of, you know, yeah, like, but oh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was sci-fi channel. So I don't think they showed body parts. They just, she uh, has a lot of sex. Okay. All right. Yeah. I yeah, don't we'll remember see. there being actual nudity in it, but then, you know, I don't know. I can't. So remember. my actual favorite show was Vikings. Uh, eight years I ago. I tried to watch born. that and I, I couldn't really I, make that it. That got pretty racy. I, so couldn't, I, I couldn't make that. it. It wasn't because of that. I just couldn't make it. I, it didn't do yeah. it for me. Yeah, I, I was so into that. Ragnar. And then and then it got a little bit um, seedy, and I stopped watching it. And then the other one I loved was um, the one based on the book by Bernard Cornwell. And it was about Uhtren uh, Benenberg. And I, I can't even remember the the name of it right now. But it was amazing and it was about this anglo-saxon guy that gets raised by vikings you can tell my genre right but um but that got the very first episode was a little bit racy um of season four and i was like well there goes that you know Uh, that's my cutoff if it's gonna get sexual i'm done you know so there's no sex in raised by wolves there is yeah, there there is kind of an instant. Yeah, they talk about something that happened. No, they? there is. There is. is there? Yeah, there is a scene. Oh, with the yeah, with the yeah, that was kind of weird though. The right? blood like and a, yeah, that was milk. Yeah, the android. Like there was something with an android. Which well, was the android did too. But I'm talking about yeah. the husband and wife. They have a scene. I don't remember. Oh, I forgot about. Yeah, that was just gross. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't really sexual. It was kind of gross. Yeah. It wasn't sexual. Well, they're you know having I mean. sex. It wasn't like porn, you know, like no. that, that's where I kind of, I'm like, Hey, you're trying to, that was more like, it was horrific. It wasn't like, a, yeah. it wasn't meant to be like a, Hey, let's titillate you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. You know, it's funny, man. I'm sensitive in weird ways like that, you know? So, but anyways, uh, great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. It is. That was really fun. That was really fun. So if you guys are like, hey, you know, look, uh, I'm just going to say I've been really busy. That was probably the funnest part of my entire week, right? Just geeking out on that. So, Pete, thanks for thanks for geeking out on my stuff, man. Hey, for our last episode, it was my pleasure. <laughs> well, for uh, 
For our last episode, then, it's fitting that we talk about the activities of apostolic planners. Those of you that know that um, church planning is a... Um, it's an apostle's game. No, I'm teasing. Uh, you know, a shepherd can plan a church. An evangelist can plan a church. Uh, when shepherds tend to plant churches, um, they, they call them house churches or, you all right? Yeah, sorry, muscle spasm. No, it's arm day. It's arm day at the Mitchell gym. And, oh, yeah. You were over there. You were over there flexing, huh? And then it went, and you went, oh, crap. No, I had a muscle spasm. I'm like, oh, I, I, I stretch the arm out, stretch the arm out. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's arm day and not for me, um, but <laughs> it's that friend. <laughs> I'm, I'm Pete's fat friend now. I've been walking every day with Andrea, though. Holy crap. That's that's doing something. That's I awesome. tell you, because after sitting, writing a textbook for 16 hours a day. So uh, anyways, uh, all that to say. Um, so, you know, like when an evangelist plants a church, it tends to go mega. Right. When a. Um, when a, a, a shepherd plants a church, it tends to become a house church or it becomes a missional community. Um, when prophets plant churches, uh, they become Pentecostal. And if they don't have the right balance, it'll get weird. And uh, when apostles plant churches, they become mission stations if they don't have the balance of the apest on their team to, to kind of pull them back from the from from a constant uh, circus tent mentality. Let, let's go out to the next city and do the next thing. And um, so, so each of these have an inherent, so you, all these roles can plan a church. Like there's nothing, nothing that says you don't. The difference between the apostles and the other parts of the apes is it's kind of like Obi-Wan looked at Emperor Palpatine and said, Sith Lords are our speciality, right? Like church. Why did you have to refer back to one of the movies that is just... <laughs> Revenge the of the Sith is okay. Come on. No, it's, it's not. None in the, of them in are. The, in the pantheon of Star Wars, it holds an honorable place. If there the was a way I could prequels, mute your mic right now, I'd mute your mic for this blasphemy you speak. Oh, I love Revenge of the Sith. So, so anyways, it goes on that, uh, you know, obviously all these guys can't. But Paul's activities in the New Testament kind of give us like a roadmap to understand if you're an apostolic planner, these are the things that are true to you, right? So think like Jeff Foxworthy, right? Uh, you know you're a redneck if, right? You would know you're apostolic if these eight things are a part of what you do. So number one, let me just say, I'll say them quickly, and then you'll get to kind of uh, walk through them with us. Or should I should I throw out the tension slowly, Peach? Should I just piece it out and let people... <laughs> <laughs> I so love I so love that Pete doesn't take any of this seriously. So I say that like like knowing he's gonna roll his eyes. So okay, so here's the eight. Uh number one, he heralds the gospel. Um it's kind of obvious, right? He's gonna preach a gospel. Man, Paul saw that as his first duty, by the way. Mm. So if if church planning ever gets ahead of preaching the gospel, you're doing something totally wrong. Um, number two, he recruits, or she, we, we can say he, she, recruits and trains others. The apostle models bold, pioneering faith. The apostle plants churches. That does happen. They're really good at it. Um, the apostle strategically sins. The apostle, number six, pioneers cross-cultural bridges. The apostolic planner catalyzes mission. 
And number eight, seeds contagious vision. So podcast done, you can go. Now let's let's talk about each one of those. And we have it seeds COVID nineteen vision. What? <laughs> oh, contagious. Yes. Oh, yes. Sorry. You know, it's funny because I'm doing through the word with uh, Chris Langham right now, and um, I just did Second John, where where uh, John's like, "Hey, don't let him into your house," you know. And I use the whole super spreader analogy and the virus and shelter in place, save lives. You know, John's telling him, don't let him in. <laughs> They're super spreaders, man. It was so funny. So uh, not that you should ever laugh during a pandemic, but it was just, it's just a great illustration of heresy. So, and, and I talked about the confusion, like, like the, you know, no one knew what to believe, you know, who do I believe? People are telling me different things. And John writes second John to say, Hey, I'm the voice of authority. I'm your Dr. Fauci here. Let me tell you, you know, but I, I didn't say Fauci because you know, and I know that we heard conflicting things even from there. And I, I brought up that even the authorities were saying different things. And so he, John comes in and is like, Hey, you know, let me just tell you where it's at. That's what second John is about. So that was fun. So, okay, so number one, the apostolic planner heralds the gospel. So Paul's own description, let me just read you a couple of verses. These, these are Paul's accounts of what he does. He says, but the Lord said, go for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentile kings and the children of Israel. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one. So Paul, and then he says, when Christ appeared to him in Acts 26, I've appeared to you for this a purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things which you've seen me uh, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes. So Paul um, saw it as his primary function to preach the gospel. And he says, thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as, as it is written, those who have been told him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. And um, so Paul saw his central activity. Uh, the central activity of any missionary is to be evangelistic. And in my textbook coming up, I've got a quote that says, you may plan a church without Wait, being evangelistic. you have a textbook? What? I didn't know anything about this. It's news to me, man. Um, so he says, you may plan a church without being evangelistic, but you can't function apostolically without being evangelistic. So a shepherd can plan and not be evangelistic, but you can't be an apostle. It's just, it's who you are. It's what I do, right? If, uh, if, if I were to use the analogy, you know, um, ah, never mind. So anyways, uh, the apostolic leader is also a recruiter and uh, trainer. So one of the things that, that's really interesting is when you plant apostolically, you're not content just to plant a church. You're not just going to roll in and plant a church. Uh, you're going to gather people around you that you're training. That's just what Paul did, right? Um, he gains Paul. Uh, I mean, he gains um, Timothy, Silvanus, um, Epaphroditus. I mean, there's all these people. He's just, you know, Silas. He's got all these people he's dragging towards him. Um, he's sucking them into kind of like Disney. Remember uh, Walt Disney? One of the first things Walt Disney does when he starts making it big is he recruits the nine old men, right? I mean, they would be the ones that they, they were the Imagineers, the ones that really designed everything. He found other talent because his vision was bigger than himself. 
Remember, uh, Walt Disney started off as this humble cartoonist. He drew Mickey Mouse. Um, they made a film, and he's like, okay, crap. Um, I'm on to something here. My animation is unique. I need to recruit more. And that's what apostles do, right? Um, think, think of Disney as kind of like a, uh, an apostle of, um, you know, animation, right? And, and that's what an apostle is going to do. Apostle won't just, um, they, they will delegate, they will train. And that's what, that's what Disney did is he got these people together and he created almost like this little school of animation so he when they did bambi he would bring in deers and you can find old pictures where he's got a deer in a little you know kind of makeshift wooden fenced area and all these artists are sitting around you know um sketching this this deer because he was like hey i don't i don't know how deers move you don't know how deers move and we got to animate one and this what what the guy said is that Disney was always doing this kind of innovative stuff to train them, to make them better artists. And so, um, yeah. Hmm. So uh, just think, let me just kind of give you um, some, uh, just an, an, an appreciation of the people that, that Paul recruited uh, and, and kind of where they, um, where they went. Um, in Crete, it was Titus, Tychicus, and Apollos. In Cyprus, it was Mark and Barnabas. In Syria, it was Barnabas, Mark, Titus, and Silas. In Galatia, it was Barnabas, Silas, and Timothy. Asia was Aristarchus, Priscilla, Aquila, Achaeus, Stephanus, Apollos, Epaphras, Trophimus. And Macedonia's Timothy, Silas, Erastus, Trophimus, Eudius, Antiki, Clement, Epaphroditus. Rome was Mark, Luke, Demas, Crescens, Tychicus, Priscilla, Aquila, Epaphroditus, Urbanus, Typhena, and Tryphosa, and Persis. So, like right there, you're like. I'm sorry, are you dude. reading the genealogy from the Bible? Just no. Uh, for the podcast? these are different areas where Paul had these fellow workers. <laughs> the, the, the big, big book of Bible baby names is something I've been compiling as I move. My through. next child, Tychicus, for sure. Tychicus, yes, it's such. So Tychicus wrote a lot of the New Testament Tychicus. epistles. You know that, right? Tychicus. A lot, a lot of the New Testament Great epistles. Name. Tychicus was sitting there as, as Paul's scribe, and he was usually his messenger. He's his mailman. But um, apostolic planners are also role models. That's number three. So they're not just recruiters and trainers. They are role models. So Paul says, you follow my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life. He writes that to Timothy. And in almost every epistle, Paul gives an invitation to imitate his pattern of life, right? So he says, um, for example, what you've learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, Practice these things, Philippians 4 9. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me, 1 Corinthians 4 16. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ, 1 Corinthians 11 1. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, 2 Thessalonians. For we are not idle when we are with you, nor do we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. Um, Philippians 3, brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Philippians 4, what you've learned and see, received and heard me, practice and the God of peace will be with you. So um, imagine somebody rolling in and going, hey, look at me and imitate me, right? Like we would, we would see that as being kind of arrogant in our day, right? We, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, um, but to Paul, it was important what you did, not just what you said. So uh, to Paul, that's why he calls the false teachers empty talkers. They didn't live it, right? They didn't walk the walk. Paul very much was reproducing not teachers. 
He was reproducing apostles. He wanted them to do what he did. He wanted them to be what he was. He didn't just want them to carry a message. Um, It was was extremely important that they had the authority of someone who was putting their life on the line for the gospel. And that that carries a weight of authority. You and I have talked about this, Pete, before where, um, like in 3 John, uh, where he says, hey, support these types of people, make note of them, support them for, uh, he says, you know, they um, they take nothing from the Gentiles. It's a great bivocational passage in Third John, where he says they don't take anyone's money. They just go do this. And he says, imitate them, right? Like, go be like them, be like these missionaries. And um, so for, for Paul, he wanted to um, have people the average believer start thinking and acting like a missionary. So Paul was like, I'm going to model what all of you should be. And of course, that's part of the apostolic mindset in ministry is to mobilize believers to be missionaries in their own gifting. Um, so, uh, and I, I'll, I'll, I've quoted this a million times on this podcast, but I'll quote it again. Um, one of Wesley's uh, fellow workers, John Fletcher, remarked that John Wesley has generally blown the gospel trumpet and rode 20 miles before most of his professors who despise his labors have left their downy pillows. So most of the professors who despise his labors have left their downy pillows. So rad. And of course, because John Wesley worked harder than anybody else like Paul, Paul says, I worked harder than anyone. Spasm. Yes. That hurt. But because Paul outworked every, he says, I worked harder than all. Like, can you imagine Paul said, Paul says, I worked harder than anyone. That's crazy. But Wesley said the same kind of stuff. That's why I tell people you wouldn't like Wesley if you met him. Um, that, that's how he talked. But he could back it. But there's a reason that he inspired a generation of circuit riders to live like he lived, a life on the road, preaching the gospel from town to town, because they wanted to be like him. Mm. Right? When, when's the last time you got around a leader and you thought, man, I want to be like that dude? Right. I want to be filled with the spirit like him. I want to, I want to take risks for the gospel like that dude takes. I want to, I, I want to love my family like that person. You know, I, I want to be anointed like that person. That's who Paul was, right? Um, the apostle as a planter. I mean, this one goes without saying, right? Um, the apostolic function um, is you're going to plant churches. And everywhere Paul went, he says, I laid a foundation. Now he would say, he would define that as this foundation no one can no no man can lay other than the one that's been laid, which is Christ. So even in planning a church, Paul saw the foundation of Jesus. By the way, I, the insulation on your house, not quite doing it for the train. <laughs> he does honk right us up. If you heard it, so I got a door on now. So Ooh. I listen. I feel the difference. That before before insulation. That was, that was big because I'm right up level with that horn. Now I'm not like 150 feet over in that part of my property. I am now right like 10 feet from maybe 20 feet from the railroad or from the fence. Are they going to put a sound wall up? Uh, There's talk of them doing a bunch of stuff. I doubt it. Really? Um, They were talking about putting the train underground and a, a good friend of ours is a lawyer for the trains. And she said, no. She goes, when you see the amount of money, she goes, and you bring that much money in. They're not doing that. Yeah. So, yeah. And the city will never justify because they did it in um, Encinitas. 
and the walls are collapsing. Oh no. Yeah. The earth has given way. So, but, um, <clears throat> anyways, yeah, that's not good. Right. So, uh, apostolic planners are senders number five. So they don't just recruit, they send as well. They don't just gather. They also send out. So like when we were, um, all these things so far, um, you know, would be things that you know, Pete, when you look back to refuge Long Beach, all of these would have been true, right. Of what you witnessed in the ministry there, you know, we were preaching Christ. I was gathering, um, planners around me to train. Um, hopefully they were inspired by my life and, 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 you know, things that we we're talking about. Um, apostolic planners are senders. I was sending people out, you know, I was going to send Jimbo, you know, that, that crash and burn, um, you know, sending out Reuben over to the projects, which the church plant never took hold, but the mission was great. And they still go right. back there. Um, you know, you're always sending, right. You're always mobilizing, um, sending, uh, uh, Charlie over to impact, um, over in Whittier. So Paul sent Timothy to Corinth. He sent Timothy to Ephesus. He sent Timothy to Thessalonica. He sent Timothy to Philippi. He sent Epaphroditus to Philippi. He sent Titus to Corinth. He sent Titus to Crete. He sent Titus to Dalmatia. He sent Tychicus, your favorite, to Ephesus, Colossia, and Crete, right? And, and I've got scripture references, but you'd have to buy the book to get that. But um, <laughs> cha which you can, just, you can you buy. just read the Bible. You could buy it now if you want it on um, Amazon.com. You just go to Amazon, pre-order. search Peyton Jones pre-order, and uh, you'll get the book at a special discount, I might say. So I think it's like, is it like 19 bucks? I don't know. It's expensive. It's a big book. So uh, the apostolic uh, planners are pioneers as well. And there's a, um, there's a uh, document that is, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Um, I want to say, uh, is it the Didache? Uh, Didache? I, I don't know. It's D-I-D-A-C-H-E. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's the teaching. I mean, it's teaching in Greek, and it's teaching of the apostles, um, an early Christian document that describes the way the church has operated in the first century. And here's, here's a quote from it. Um, Traveling apostles and prophets and residents and teachers. Uh, this is from Kenneth uh, Scott Lartorette. He says it instructs the Christians to appoint for themselves bishops and deacons to hold them in honor along with prophets and teachers. So uh, what he has in there is he has a, um, he talks about traveling apostles and prophets and resident prophets and teachers. So what he's showing is there's people on the move and there's people that are stationary. So the, you have this kind of pioneer aspect um, in the, in the very beginning. And so um as pioneers, um, apostolic planners, they're wired for challenge, right? So when when you uh, see a pioneer, uh, a pioneer's not, this is confusing to people because a pioneer is not wired for big numbers, right? You think Paul, you think, oh, big numbers. Paul didn't tend to have big numbers. So if you're a planner and you're like, I don't have big numbers, but you're in a challenging spot and you're actually reaching lost people, that's what's on the label. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, the people that are wired for high numbers are evangelists, right? And they will not go for um, high challenge. They will typically uh, be in an area that's already been evangelized by an apostle, 
already the ground's been broken by a pioneer. So an evangelist typically comes in afterwards. So in the case of like uh, Paul in Corinth, Paul goes there and does all of the foundational work, stays there for a year and a half. When he pulls out, Apollos comes in and he says, I sowed Apollos water, right? So Paul spends a, a year and a half there, meets Priscilla and Aquila. They're killing it for a year and a half in Corinth. Then as he leaves to go on to Ephesus, then the other comes in. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyways, uh, do, 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 do. And I like what Alan Hurst says about pioneers. They have an ability to invent the future while dealing with the past, a willingness to break the traditional ideas and methods, an ability to play multiple roles at the same time, a high tolerance for risk, a need to be different despite supporters wanting the pioneer to stay the same, and an understanding that many want the pioneer to fail. That's just kind of something to chew on. And then the apostle is a catalyst. Um, the apostle mobilizes. So uh, the catalyst means that that you mobilize people um, to get going in their own gifts. So uh, let me just read you a quote. Dwight Moody volunteered to teach Sunday school at the mission on Chicago Avenue and Well Street in Chicago. The superintendent of the Sunday School Society, which is kind of a big deal then, informed that they already had enough teachers, but if he could work up a class of his own, he could teach. The next Sunday, he brought 18 poor street urchins from the poorest part of the neighborhood, neighborhood known as Little Hell. Not only did he catalyze that Sunday school, he recruited two helpers immediately and started a Sunday school in Little Hell in an abandoned freight car. From there, he started a class for the older boys in a derelict saloon. As the Sunday schools grew into the hundreds, Moody began to catalyze others to assist the expanding mission that grew out of thin air. So uh, in that sense, you see that Moody is, um, he's catalyzing people around him. So he raised up an entire team, got people catalyzed in evangelism. Apostolic planners are vision casters. So one of the cool things is that um, uh, when Paul says, I laid a foundation like a master builder. Um, What Paul's talking about is he laid a foundation according to a blueprint. The blueprint is like a vision. And so as you, um, as you find uh, the, the difference between an apostle, when, when I say he's a vision caster, it's a little bit misleading because he doesn't give the vision to the people. What he more does is he inspires it. He casts out a general vision and he lets the people fill it. And once they start to fill it, um, then he, he, he gets everybody to own the vision, right? Again, it's part of that mobilizing as part of that catalyzing. He, he kind of empowers everybody to have the vision going forward. And I like to kind of share that, um, with, uh, refuge long beach, um, I just was talking to him about the merger. So we've got four churches coming together um, to make a Voltron church, which is going to be right. I keep telling him you guys call it the first church of Voltron. Um, and there's, they're all the, the, the I church. I think your conversation with Langham was just the funniest thing ever. And I shared that with Jamie. What, what was it? What you should not name the church. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're going to rename it because what happened is there's Reach Fellowship um, that D.A. Horton planted in Long Beach. There's um, Refuge Long Beach. And then I don't remember the other one. But anyways, Refuge Long Beach is never going back to that park. I mean, as long as for the next foreseeable future, 
uh, we're nuts in California. Nobody's issuing a permit. So the Department of Parks and Recreation already said, you will not get an open air permit, A, because we will not, ho- we will not allow you to host 25 people or more. Um, you're, you're not going back to the community center. That's shut indefinitely. So we've kind of let people know that, hey, there is no going back right now. But meanwhile, we had been talking with uh, Terrence Brooks, trying to get him to sign on. And so I'll make this really quick. But um, yeah, so the, the church building. So as we're doing this, Reach approaches Terrence. And we just said, you know what? This is the Lord. We always kind of have open arms with everything anyways at Refuge. And so uh, so we start joining. But anyways, Chris is like, well, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to name the church. We're going to rename it because the, the, this building, this dying congregation with 10 people, um, approached Terrence a, at the same time where he was coming over to refuge and say, Hey, we got a building. So Terrence like, look, um, all this stuff coming together. So what happened was, um, uh, he, he said, we're going to change the name. It's right now it's called victory in Jesus. That's the name of the, the church where the building is. And so I'm like, well, you know, I got a few, suggest- I got a few pointers, Chris, you know, um, don't call it victory in Buddha. Victory in Muhammad, victory in, in, you know, Krishna. Don't, don't, you know, if I could just give you a, a church naming tip. And, and, then sure he goes, and then he goes, he goes, oh man, there go the first four names that we had down. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then, and then I told him, well, you know, and then on the other side, if you keep the name Jesus, make sure it's not doom in Jesus. Make Failure sure it's not. In Jesus. <laughs> Failure in Jesus and victory in Jesus. Make sure you don't change that part too much either. So, uh, but anyways, uh, apparently they've taken my ideas to heart, and they're going to rename with 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 those pointers in mind. So that's good. But uh, but you know, as I was talking with the church there, I was telling them, look, these all these different incarnations that happen. I stood back. I was not the guy saying we need to do this. We need to serve breakfast. That came from Charlie. Um, the the seeds of that were planted back in the church when a lady who had been homeless, who was part of our team, she's like, "Look, uh, I needed socks back then. I'm gonna bring socks." Once she started bringing socks, you know, people homeless people started grabbing them, and once homeless people started grabbing socks, then someone started bringing barrels of apples and cheese and bottled waters. Like what people just started, it was like stone soup, man. Everybody was just throwing that vision was created. The body owned the vision. And I'll never forget finding um, that hotel. Remember when we went to that holiday Inn? it's kind of iconic off yep. the, the 405 across from the airport. It's one of the tower circular holiday inns and that the glass windows overlook the entire city. And I had everybody in the very beginning, I had them lay their hands on the glass and pray over the city because it was this huge panoramic view. And I, I, I told him then, I said, you know, we have no idea what God's going to do, but you're all a part of this. You can see you've got this vision of the city. I want you to pray for vision because this visions, I, I had seen it before. It wasn't my first rodeo. Um, what I remember see, about that's that is I hated the name Refuge. <laughs> Because it always sounds like refuse to me, like refuse church, trash church, what? And everyone hey, was like, it. <laughs> every, well, it would have, everyone was like, no, no refuge, you know, cause the Huntington beach one's refuge. And then they're all gone. Like they, none of them stuck around. Uh, like they fought so hard for that name and not a single one of them stuck around. I know it's so true. Isn't it? So true. So weird, man. The stuff people fight over, but Hey, we're running out of time here. So, uh, so Pete, you know, when you're doing all these eight things, 
um, apostolically while you're planting your church. Um, you don't have time to be doing the, the, the bookkeeping and the tax compliance. What do you do, Pete? I usually live stream on Facebook while talking to SimplifyChurch.com. Nice. Yeah. Oh, Josh Henry, if you're listening, we're thinking of you right now. He yeah. posted the greatest meme yesterday. Do you what see that it? thing? No. It was, it was this kid at the top of a hill. And there's this huge, like, San Francisco-style hill. And then there's a pier at the end. And the little kids, he's like 80s, got a skateboard. Yes. He says, this is why kids need parents. And I put, that kid is a church planner. And then someone yes. else put the comment on there and said, no, Peyton, because there's no brick wall. <laughs> That's funnier. So I thought that was Benjamin Eckel for that one. A little shout out. But, hey, just wanted to let you guys know, head on over to SimplifyChurch.com. And tell them Pete and Peyton sent you. So, you know, we're still shouting them out and giving some love. And uh, this has been Peyton Jones today with Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Magazine.com.